Chad, I don't think I could have come up with this on my own, and I just want to say thank you. You probably saved me hours, hours, hours of thinking of what it, what should I set in front of me, and I would say it's a very beautiful coaching moment for me right now. You pulled something that I will wake up to. You know, I, you know, I don't mind being vulnerable on the call. I really hope it helps someone. I just before 30 minutes before the call, we we made our calls, and you know, um, the fire was missing. I wanted to feel it, you know, and I was telling my husband uh, we both work together. We are very authentic with each other, and uh, we never want to jeopardize our business. So if today is not my day of being productive, I openly talk about it. I said I don't feel like it. Uh, you know, what is it that uh, is happening? Now, I was going to do so much thinking to motivate myself, but you just gave me something that is bigger than myself to uh, get up and get out of bed for and uh, to be able to have that as a goal everything else will just fall in place for me so i accept right. the challenge and and i'm very very committed and this is going to be something that's going to pull uh, something out of me that i probably haven't seen before so i appreciate you thinking and hearing me so sincerely and giving this coaching moment and i'm going to work on it now thank you Welcome highly productive agents and investors from across the country. Today is Thursday, September 10th, 2020, and this is Mastermind Call number 295. Phone number ending in 0306. You're up first. Hi, Jim. This is Rosie Hare from Texas. How are you all doing? Hey, Rosie. Hey, Rosie. Great. Great, great job on that interview. Thank you. Thank you. That was uh, just getting into action work. I'm going to definitely continue improving, and I'm looking forward to any feedback you guys have. I would like to, at this point, get into a habit of uh, at least making a consistent effort of my outbound conversations for probate. You know, we obviously have started our email campaigns and finalized the letters, and we'll be doing more. So from your experience, when you guys used to initially do probate, do you have any number that you can share with me that, you know, like I'll give you uh, for 46 dials, I get 12 conversations and a couple of good positive follow-ups and rest is just not right now, right? Um, so what can I set up as a, a good goal for daily outbound? So I don't feel like I'm overperforming one day and other days I'm barely catching up. I would love to get your experience on how you got into a consistent habit that worked for you all in conversations that were outbound. I was going to ask, uh, how many uh, how many leads are you getting, and do you know how yeah. uh, long you want to be calling each lead? Is, is it is it a six months plan, or is it a year, or is it a month? What's what's that look like for you? Yeah, so on an average, we're getting on a slow month 130, good month 175 leads per month. And um, I would like to dedicate at least good hour and a half um, of the daily lead gen portion to probate side and then switch to the other follow-ups and other lead gen sources. And uh, I would like to stay on a lead for at least, um, I would say, nine months uh, in terms of initial aggressive follow-up to slowly just staying in touch and then moving them to a passive follow-up in the back with emails only or mail or I don't know. I haven't thought that far, quite frankly. <laughs> well, you have to realize that if you're calling and you're having conversations, you'll naturally be identifying people that just aren't going to be a fit for your services. So um, it's not really that hard mm -hmm. to stay in touch with the people that you have good conversations with. 
but really mm-hmm. what you want to do is is figure out, you know, wh- uh, Chad can probably chime in in a second, but uh, I think we can make, um, if we're having conversations consistently or predictably, mm-hmm. we can probably be mm-hmm. making a, a good um, 12 outbound calls every hour. And, mm-hmm. um, and and you take your, let's say, the, a list of 120 people, uh, that basically yeah. mean, means it's going to take you 10 hours to call through that list if you haven't cut any of them out or identified any of them as not yes. being candidates for your service. That That's uh-huh. pretty substantial. Um, but you divide that by, by uh, two weeks, so five hours a week should get you through a list twice before you have to put another list into your queue. Um, yes, so yes. I, I would kind of uh-huh. make a goal of trying to get through each list twice before you get uh, before you get another list piled in on top of it, and that should identify, in my opinion, at least thirty or forty percent of the leads that are not candidates for what you have to offer. Very nice. so you don't have to call or Very mail nice. anymore. Very nice. And then monthly so from then, thinking... monthly from that point. Exactly. Love it. So, yeah, that was my intention. That uh, Thank you for answering that, Bruce. Um, so it sounds like you're saying that um, uh, set a goal of going through the same list twice in a week before switching to the next list and extract the leads and we can probably focus the marketing efforts on those only to maximize our return uh, before I pile the next list on, correct? Well, I, I guess I received the question a little bit differently. So what I heard, Rosie, is how do you build the discipline? The prospecting yes. habit, right? So Discipline the way I did this kind is, of quantifying as well. You're right. Mm-hmm. So Bruce is right. I mean, I, I find the call pace. If you're calling all four or five numbers, leaving voicemail, and having conversations at the mm-hmm. recent contact rates, you're going to be at a pace of about twelve per hour. So I okay. laid out prospecting blocks on my calendar as recurring blocks, and those were mm-hmm. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Uh, 8 to 10 a.m., 4 to 6 p.m., and then in between those blocks was, you know, putting out fire and admins, admin time. But to mm-hmm. if you can even go as far as when you get your list, you can go in mm-hmm. and say, okay, I'm going to make my first phone call to this list on, you know, mm-hmm. September 11th, and you put that mm-hmm. in the calendar. So uh, September 2020 probate list. And then you you set mm-hmm. it you set your your prospecting block for ten you know you spread it like I had twelve so, hours of prospecting blocks so three days a week okay eight to eight to ten a.m. four to six p.m. and those recurred every week so all lead types were in those in those prospecting times if you want to be more specific with probate you can actually create you know call number one call number two call number three blocks on your calendar or free in your case calls one through nine and you take you know 10 minutes to put in your calendar entries but then as far as the discipline like as far as the habit just listen to your calendar even when when you're you know your your real estate hair is on fire because a deal come off the rails it's like okay i'll deal with this in three hours i'm going into my prospecting block and i found that even on the days when i hated doing it and i didn't want to do it Having it like mm-hmm. if you can just just you know, and we talk about this in mastery. If you can look at your calendar as a system, and and like mm-hmm. kind of give it the permission to be your CEO. So the mm-hmm. you you know that prospecting is the lifeblood of your business, 
And yep. you know that that we don't always do. You know, we're unfortunately we're in a position where we don't have to do it if we don't want to. But if you can mm-hmm. make an agreement with yourself and with your calendar where it you do what it says, and you know that you put that mm-hmm. in there with because in order to hit your goal, you have to put in the mm-hmm. prospecting time. I found it easy. Mm-hmm. I, I had different coaches try different things with me. Like you know, I would write a letter and put a thousand dollar check in it to a competitor that I didn't <laughs> like, um, and yeah. I would send it send it to him. And if if I didn't hit my prospecting call times, he would he would fire that letter off with a thousand dollar check to my my competitor. And that stuff mm-hmm. didn't like didn't motivate me as much as the the carrot yeah. of setting and setting a goal. And then breaking that mm-hmm. down, like how much prospecting does it take? So if you look at what your mm-hmm. goal is, break it down about 12 calls per hour, and then figure out yeah. how that fits into your schedule. The calendar is the key, was the key for me. Um, mm-hmm. And it, you're going to deviate. Like some days you'll have long conversations, and you might only have three or four contacts or three or four conversations in your block. Where other days you might burn mm-hmm. through 50 calls and not speak to anyone, which and obviously the mm-hmm. three or four long conversations is, is a better result. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, yeah. as far as setting an expectation, I mean, you've got, like Bruce said, the first round through, through your list will be about 10 hours. The next round will probably mm-hmm. be like eight hours. Mm-hmm. And over time, mm-hmm. you'll yeah. whittle that down. Like at the end of your nine months, you'll probably only be calling five people. Um, yeah. So it, 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 so I think it, that, yeah, it tapers off. Yes, I think that, uh, that you guys, I, between you and Bruce, you actually definitely answered my question. Uh, I was getting into a habit of showing up every day on making uh, my effort uh, and focus on probate lead category. And, uh, you know, coming from expired calling or circle prospecting or other experiences that I have had, um, uh, you know, we're used to di- making a lot more dials uh, to get uh, the same contact ratio or having same meaningful yes or no conversations, right? And uh, in probate, uh, the pickup rate was much better, uh, you know, as we were talking and we were getting yes or no, at least there, there's a two-way contact there, right? Um, so I wasn't sure that um, I wanted to do something consistently rather than having three hours one day and 30 minutes the other day, barely doing follow-up. So I think you guys gave me a good ground that I can make 12 hour, 12 dollars an hour and uh, whatever results come out of it, we can quantify it and I'll bring those numbers back to the mastermind group. I appreciate it and I now can see how it can taper off and become less. Yes? Hey, uh, Rosie. So, um, Robin Sharma wrote a, uh, wrote a book and I, I, for the life of me, I can't even remember what it is, but he proposed huh. in that book, um, following, if you're trying to form a prospecting habit, habit, following a 90-91 rule. So 90-91. What that means is that you take a 90-day period, so a quarter, and you take your first 90 working minutes of um, every working day in that quarter doing the one thing that's the most important to you in your business, which for most of us on this call it's prospecting. Some of you it might be content creation, but most of us it's prospecting. And so the first mm-hmm. 90 minutes of your working day is devoted to prospecting for 90 mm-hmm. days in a row, and you will form an incredible habit with, when it comes to prospecting. Uh, many people won't ever mm-hmm. quit prospecting for 90 minutes a day. Uh, but most of us here, it's, it's simply a matter of priorities and habit, the reason that we don't prospect. So if you, if you want to get in there, try, try 90 minutes a day. Uh, you'd be shocked 
at the results that you get to. that way. I would love to. I love to. I think you guys uh, gave me your personal experiences on this, and uh, that's exactly what I was looking for an answer. So really appreciate it, and I'm going to do this for uh, next couple of weeks and definitely come back with some results. We did gather some nurtures. Um, I'm loving where this is headed. I'm looking forward to more. And uh, thank you. Great. Rosie, I was going to add one more perspective. Um, it's different yes. for everybody. Um, way back when I was an agent, it was 15 or 20 years ago, my coach had told me to do hmm. 200 sales, you're going to have to make 100 contacts a day. And honestly, back then, it was a lot easier hmm. to make 100 contacts. People answered their phone. You know, there wasn't, there wasn't the competition, hmm. I don't think, with prospecting. But I sort of made a game out of it, like Chad said, uh, challenging me to money. Or I, 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 I kind of challenged myself to see how many days in a row I could hit my contact goals. So I focused on contacts, you know, because I figured the, the calls are nice, but it's the people I was actually talking to. And I think my mm -hmm. coach challenged me one week, can you go a whole week, make 100 contacts every day? And then once I got going um, – and I had done so many days in a row, it, it got to be a game, like see how many days in a row I could do it. And by the time I retired, it was in the hundreds. But, you know, play little games with yourself. Challenge yourself to how many days can you do it. Give yourself a reward if you can do it four mm -hmm. out of five days, you know, or how many days in a row mm -hmm. can you actually hit your contact goal. For me, that was, that was effective because if I woke up one day and I didn't feel like doing it, I wasn't just jeopardizing that day. I was jeopardizing mm -hmm. an incredible streak that I had going. You know, so just yeah. a little bit different for everybody, but um, that, that's what worked for me. Definitely. I'm definitely going to take that into consideration. And from little thinking I had done recently, um, it seems like my rewards are not attractive enough. <laughs> so I need to make my rewards a little more attractive. And uh, I think that will get me going. And uh, I really appreciate you guys being authentic about saying what motivated you guys. Uh, I'm with you. I don't think the pain of writing a check to someone, uh, it, it just didn't work for me either. Um, I think what I'm uh, actually looking forward to is creating a very self-sustained business Business that allows me to have a bigger impact. Uh, you know, I can have the best phone call. Ultimately, the, the relationships I will build through this and the way I can connect families with uh, different resources, you know, that's where my heart is at. And so I'm willing to do the work to come up with initial parameters. So when I do have team working with me and uh, there's something to hold, hold accountable to or have a structure to follow. So um, I'm going to do my work um, until I get there. So I appreciate you guys giving me ideas. I will come back with more. Uh, thank you. So Rosie, you're you're one of the like you're a you're a, you're the role model for taking action and and having accountability. Um, I'm really impressed. Still you. impressed. I mean, you you've been with us what maybe a month and a half now, or you're on your you're on your yes. second month, I think. And I mean, you came out of the gate, and you trust you trust the the advice you get from experts, and and you put it into play to see if it works for you or not. So I want to. Mm -hmm. That said, I want to issue you a challenge because I've seen your content creation, and that's something that mm -hmm. people who have been with us for years don't ever get out of their comfort zone and do those. And you you just you just swung for the fence. You're like, you know what? I'm going to trust the advice and try it. So what I'd like to set as your challenge, like as your outcome to help you build this discipline, I want to yes. see six six phenomenal customer testimonials in interview format where you sit down on Zoom wow. like you did with the attorney and you say, so mm -hmm. Mary, we just finished this and, and for to help other families here in Texas, 
let's talk about the experience mm-hmm. and where you were when we first met and where you are now and how the experience was, whatever that is. But I want to see six phenomenal testimonials from you. And what that's going to force you. you to do is not looking at money, not looking at number of transactions or number of calls made, because in reality, none of that stuff really matters. It's not why you're doing this. Yeah. There's a lot of ways to make yeah. money. You're here because you're compassionate and you're empathetic and you have a big heart, right? So yeah. if, you're, if you have an emotional tie to your outcome, if you, have, if you need six mm-hmm. heartfelt testimonials that are authentic, that's going to help you tremendously in your future prospecting. So it's a, it's a multi, yeah. multi-beneficial out, uh, goal to set. But it's going to help you with your content creation. It's going to help you with future marketing. And it's going to have an emotional – the result has an emotional tie back to why you're here in the first place. And I think something like that as, as far as the goal to motivate you is far better than trying to figure out the numbers and metrics oh of God. all this. Like in the, Chad, mo- the morning where you're that. like uh-huh. – Yeah, I don't think I could have ahead. come up with this on my own. And I just want to say thank you. You probably saved me hours, hours, hours of thinking of what, it, uh, what should I set in front of me. And I would say it's a very beautiful coaching moment for me right now. You pulled something that I will wake up to. You know, I, I, you know, I don't mind being vulnerable on the call. I really ho- hope it helps someone. Uh, I just before, 30 minutes before the call, we, we made our calls and, you know, um, the fire was missing. I wanted to feel it, you know, and uh, I was telling my husband, uh, we both work together. We are very authentic with each other and uh, we never want to jeopardize our business. So if today is not my day of being productive, I openly talk about it. I said, I don't feel like it. Uh, you know, what is it that uh, is happening and now? I was going to do so much thinking to motivate myself, but you just gave me something that is bigger than myself to get up and get out of bed for. And uh, to be able to have that as a goal, everything else will just fall in place for me. So I accept right. the challenge, and, and I'm very, very committed, and this is going to be something that's going to pull uh, something out of me that I probably haven't seen before. So I appreciate you thinking and hearing me so sincerely and giving this uh, you know, coaching moment. Um, and I'm going to work on it now. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you for being here, Rosa. Awesome. And about 100, 100 people uh, uh, listened in on your ho- coaching moment. I'm sure a lot of them benefited from it. Thanks, Rosie, for participating. And next up is phone number ending in 1855. You're up next. Hey, guys. It's uh, Danny. Glad to be here again. How y'all doing? Hey, Danny. Good, Danny. Hey, so I actually have one big question and then just uh, one minor thing I wanted to ask from this last conversation. Uh, if you could just finish up on explaining, because I thought it was actually pretty interesting, the 90-91 rule. So you said the first 90 minutes of your day is for prospecting. And what was the, the other 90 and the one? So the first 90 is, is 90 days in a row. And when I work with someone on doing 90 days in a row, it, it really doesn't have to be 90 consecutive days. You've got weekends and you have days that you, you take off. But the goal is to really take and concentrate on the one thing, that's the one, the one thing that's the most important in your business. And you take the first 90 minutes of each working day to concentrate on that for 90 days. So 90 days, 90 minutes each day concentrating on the one thing most important in your business. Ah, I see. Okay. All right. That's really, that's really interesting then. Okay. I see how the 90-91, there it goes. Okay, great. I just wanted to write that down because I thought that was, uh, that was uh, pretty, pretty great. So my bigger question is, I mean, I know it's very common. I've been finding a lot of more success in this past week or so, but 
I figured um, asking a question, getting some more input would always be great. What are some alternative ways I can handle someone's um, rebuttal saying, like, you know, we've got, you know, an attorney, obviously, or we've got it covered. I think the one I usually get more than we've got it covered is, you know, we have an attorney, which I usually have a response for. But I wanted to see if there's an even better way of rebuttaling that that gets them to be more open to hear what I have to say or just kind of like a better approach to it. Instead of what do I say, it's how do I get the result that I want. And the result that you want is initially is you want and you want to interrupt their thought pattern because they're just trying to run you off. They found that that's effective and it's an, an easy way to get back in their comfort zone. So there can be dozens of different ways you can do this. That's why I want to I want to point to the like the what's the behavioral outcome you want. So we say things like, oh, oh yeah, it's, it's the famous words of my, my last or my the, my nine out of my ten best clients or uh, interesting. So uh, like there's different things we talk about on these calls, but focus more on how do I interrupt the pattern that they're in? How do I say something funny, obscure, like edgy? that will get them to just take a step back and then you're talking to the real person because they're just trying to run you off. They found out a way to do it, right? So in, in that example, if it's well, our attorney has it handled, you can say, oh, great, you have an attorney. We pick up where they leave off. And then just be absolutely mm -hmm. silent. The silence is probably the biggest leverage to get you that outcome because it's awkward and most people won't just hang up. They'll be like, well, what do you what do you mean? And boom, you're in. That's engagement. As soon as they ask you a question, then you've got dialogue, right? And then then you've mm -hmm. got engagement. So focus on like instead of trying like us talking about here's A B C D E F G. Try try each of these. Think about how do I interrupt this person's like literally you're you're shocking you're shocking their nervous system and breaking what what's their default mode network, and you kind of break that connection and then the, then their brain another part of their brain kicks in and they're like okay how do I deal with this this is uncharted territory and then you're in a real conversation with them so rather than, and Bruce and I are working on like a, a good list of questions to ask I'm still hesitant to hand that out because I would rather you focus on on just like I said focus on the, the result you're trying to get and then use your own tactics and your own words and language to, to get that but and Bruce I know you had some advice that's mine you know they're Sometimes they're telling you that they have an attorney because they want to get you off the phone. Other times they just misunderstand what that attorney is doing for them. So one pattern disruptor could be, oh, great. <laughs> you know, could you imagine trying to do all this le complex legal work without an attorney? You know, and, and, and all, of a sudden, yeah. all of a sudden you're on their side. You know, I like to shift over into just fishing for information on where they are in the process. Okay, so how, um, how long have you been working with your attorney? How far in the process are you? And so I just go more questions after that. Once they realize that we have an attorney, it doesn't scare me off that, hey, that's, that's totally normal. I'm glad you have an attorney. I couldn't even imagine doing this without, without one. Um, how far into the process are you? And then, you know, what, what are you guys thinking about doing with the real estate once you get a little further down the road? So you're focused heavily on tonality and the uh, mannerisms that you use when you ask your questions versus asking the right questions. A, a lot of our language is more to do with how we use the language versus what we say. Right. I, I like those approaches. I mean, the one I've been doing, I, I, I find myself saying, you know, the most is when someone says that I, I, I give the feedback. And I've actually been doing my best here to uh, 
match their tone, as, as you've been saying, and I, I've been getting further with that. So I appreciate that advice as well. And I've been thinking, like, the more, like, if I hear myself say it or even think about it, like, I feel like there's something better I could say or, in, uh, you know, in Chad's, uh, what he said is, you know, disrupt their train of thought, you know. So something else I feel like I could say that's better than what I'm currently saying. And, I mean, all those examples well, were, like, really great. When you do that, they they need to know these things. We need to educate people. But at the same time, um, nobody really likes to be educated and convinced that they're wrong. So siding up to them and letting them know that, hey, this is totally normal, um, uh, good good for you. Um, and then going questions versus explaining, I've found to be much more powerful because we don't have to go list their house tomorrow or buy their house tomorrow. What we do need to do is become a good, um, trusted friend or a good, trusted expert. And the best way to do that is to ask engaging questions that, that cause them to maybe educate themselves versus us educating them. Um, it's not that you should scrap the education. Don't scrap that. Have that as a as a bullet, some ammunition that you can use. But um, questions are really where you need to go when they when they hit you with that. You tell them that you're mm-hmm. on the, on their side. Come up with different things to say that let them understand that. Hey, that's totally normal. I'm not scared of that because they're used to people going. Oh, uh, okay. Well. Um, Okay, bye then. And when you don't do that, when you just roll with it, they're not normally going to have another technique to get you off of the phone. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. For me, I really appreciate, you know, what you guys have said. Uh, I mean, I, I really like all this information. I you know, just took notes on all of it. Really, really good stuff. Uh, thank you, guys. Yeah, Dan, I just want to thank you for like coming back and always participating. Like, it's obvious you're you're really taking your your you know self improvement in this really seriously. And uh, you know, oftentimes a lot of people have questions and I don't think they have the courage to ask. So I just want to thank you for always. Every week you come up with a new idea, it seems, or, or you know, looking for advice in a new area. So good job. Thank you, man. Yep. I appreciate it. I just thank you guys for being here for me. Thank you. Appreciate you, Danny. Thanks, Danny. We've got three more, three more in the queue. Next up is phone number ending in one four five seven. You're up next. Hey guys, this is Josh here in LA. How are you? Hey, Josh. Great. How about you? I'm doing well. Um, so I, I uh, specialize in probate here in LA. Um, I religiously call my probates um, on a daily basis. Uh, it's like Christmas morning to me. Um, and uh, obviously, you guys know with the pandemic, at least here, the uh, the courts were shut down for you know three months. Um, so they opened back up in June, and there were still filings that were being done. But um, all of the new filings that are, are happening now are having their hearings, um, you know, like in January. And um, so I'm able to contact the, the petitioner um, pretty quickly, about one to two days from the moment that it was filed. Um, but uh, I guess the, the issue that I come across is, um, you know, the time frame of, of them waiting you know, four to five months where it would normally take, you know, they would have their hearing within four to six weeks and then their letters and their orders two to three weeks after that. Now it's four to five months before they get their hearing and then another two to three weeks before they get their letters and their orders. And obviously between that point, 
they're getting tons of calls, tons of mail uh, from investors, agents. So uh, it's I'm just wondering how to continuously stay top of mind um, with those individuals that are getting bombarded by other people. Does that make sense? It does. So the answer is just find ways to, to provide any value you can, even if you don't get paid for it, you know, directly. One example of that is in, in this time, you know, they could be waiting until January to have their confirmation hearing. <laughs> and then if they get, if, if the, the attorney did not petition the court for full authority, then they could be waiting for each step of the process just as much time. They could be waiting two, three months each for each time they, they need to go back to court. So one example of something you could do right now for every one of them is actually confirm with the attorney that they have petitioned the court for full authority because it's going to shorten their process by potentially a year. Um, and in my experience, unfortunately, a lot of attorneys in California don't, the, the, you know, what I would say is not a good probate attorney. In most cases, they don't uh, petition for full authority because on limited authority, they end up having more billable hours and making more money. It costs the family a lot more money in holding costs and administration costs. But right now, if, if you know, that's one thing that you could do that, yeah, they're still going to have to wait till January. But after that, they should walk away with letters of testamentary and full authority. And then you're, you can, you know, accelerate the process for them. So that's just one example. But, you know, putting up no trespassing signs and securing the home, rekeying locks, putting lock boxes on for caretakers, just any reason you can get to the property, any reason you can get face-to-face -face with them and build a real relationship, um, even if you're not, you know, they don't have the authority. So they could sign a letter of intent to purchase or a letter of intent to list. But we both know, I mean, it, it's, an, it's a mental commitment that might keep them from talking, from engaging with other people. Um, <laughs> but just, it's, everyone's a little bit different, like a thumbprint. You know, like Bruce, I think, just said, like asking good questions <clears throat> to get a conversation going and listening will show you exactly what you need to be to do to differentiate mm -hmm. yourself from everyone else. Because everyone else is calling, the, this is what I have to offer, me, me, me. And if you can call and just say, this is about you, what's, you know, tell me about what you're going through. And whatever is bothering them, you just become the solution for that and provide value to them. And then they'll forget about all those other people, even if they are getting well, hammered. I, so that's not hard. Like me differentiating myself from other people who are not familiar with the process or have not sold uh, probate property like I have, I have no problem with that. My, right. it, It's always harder for me to... Uh, try to get them face-to-face, -face. so I have multiple avenues to doing that. So obviously, I'm the first one that calls them. Most of them, they are advised by their attorney, we can't do anything, don't sign anything until I get in front of the judge. You'll have your letters and your orders two to three weeks after that. So in their mind, okay, I'm not doing anything for another four to five months. And so then okay. I have a, a mailer campaign, right, eight points, eight touches, where I hit them with different things, and then I'm following up with them every three to four weeks. Now, some people get pissed because they know, hey, you know, I'm not doing anything for four months. Why are you calling me two weeks later or three weeks later? Um, so <clears> what are, what are, the, the, what are the, the three things? What are the three things you can do for any family? You, it sounds like you've, you've done this for a while, right? You've worked with a lot of these folks. Yeah. 
what are three things, no matter how small, that you can that every family should do that you can help them with? Um, it depends. Well, I guess it depends on where they are. If it's an out-of-state petitioner, obviously having a vacant property, so cleaning it out, keeping keeping an eye on it. Um, obviously, do they have the so let proper? Let me be more. Let me be more specific. Before they have their letters testamentary, what are three things that any and every executor could benefit from? And if, you, if you're having trouble answering right here, I'll, just, I'll leave you with the question. But where I'm going with this is if, if you change your call up, where if, if you say, okay, well, listen, this is the, my very first call. I realize you're very early in the process. On the, the first time we speak with a family, we try to accomplish three things. Would you like to know what three things I can do for your family and every other family in Los Angeles County, even though you don't have the letters testamentary and your attorney told you not to do anything for four to five months? Great. Yeah. And then you tell them what those three things are and you put the solution in place. They're very likely securing property. So that's, you know, changing locks if, if keys are, are around and the family wants to secure it. It's putting a no trespassing sign on in case somebody gains access to the property. It's getting vacant insurance, vacant property insurance on the asset. It's getting lawn care in place. It's getting, you know, the house empty and stuff in self-storage. Things that can be done without the authority but still can be done to benefit the family. Um, but think about those things and take that approach. Like these are, yeah, this is a long process, and we realize it. We're in no hurry to push you into a real estate conversation, but I want to make sure these three things are done to protect your family today. And that's going to really differentiate you. It also gives you at least three opportunities for follow-up calls. Hey, I was just—I just had a—I uh, was just thinking about—I uh, I met another financial planner, and I was just calling to see did, did Jeff Macy call you when when I set set up that appointment for you? And so you get opportunities over the next month or two or three to call and follow up because they did something with you, right? And that gives you a good reason to call and follow up to make sure that was satisfactory or it actually got done or why they didn't do it. You can follow up with your vendor and be like, hey, did Mary Smith ever ever sign that or you know sign that insurance policy? Okay, great. Listen, I just talked to Jeff and Mary. Uh, he said that he had sent you the quote for the vacant insurance policy but never got it back. So it's not actually in effect. Did you find a policy with another agent that you're you're happy with? Are you guys protected? But the point is Get any any value you can give them, no matter how small, it creates it differentiates you and it creates opportunities for follow up, so you can stay engaged with good reasons. So you don't have to feel like you're aggravating. You you have a legitimate reason for the follow up call. They're calling. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and that's good. And the other thing is, you could always kind of make a uh, an agreement with them, uh, a contract, so to speak. Um, it's not in writing, and it, it doesn't even require a whole lot on their end. But if you let them know um, why you're helping out in the beginning, because I, I think one of uh, most people on this call's biggest fear is that they're going to do all these different things, and then the person's not going to think think about them when it's time to sell the house. And so um, I, I don't mind telling someone, hey, you know, I'm, I'm sure you're wondering why I would be willing to do this and help you out with all these things, because I know that everybody else is just trying to come in here and buy your house for pennies on the dollar and I want to be different I want to give you so much value that 
you, uh, you you wouldn't even think about not interviewing me when the time comes to sell the house. And if you decide not to sell the house, no problem. But I want to give you so much now that when it's time, you're at least going to include me in that conversation. Does that make sense? Yeah. And yeah. get that kind of little little commitment and let them know what your uh, wishes are. And I can't tell you, and not just in probate, and every aspect of my business, I've used that for years. And people come to me sometimes years after I, I use those words, and they say, hey, you know, I told you that I'd have this conversation with you, and I'm just honoring that. And, um, and, and it's a great way to not lose people if they're wrapped, stuck in the probate process for half a year or more. A great way not to lose people. Got it. Okay. All right, sir. That helps. Thanks, guys. All right, we have two more in the queue, guys. We can probably got time for one or two. If you want to hop in, just hit star six and hit one. Meantime, next up is phone number ending in five nine nine two. You're up next. Thank you very much, guys. Uh, I was inspired by uh, David's story, uh, you know, once after the COVID hit. And uh, coming from, like, the, oh, I'm afraid to ask the question to let me start to jump in on the process. Uh, but, you know, the question, you know, my broker is on board of, uh, you know, myself actually being a, a probate specialist. And, you know, and I think my, my unique selling uh, proposition, and I think I was on uh, Mastery, uh, like, you know, twice already. And, uh, Chad, I think if you remember, um, my was, well, the reason why I'm in here was that I suffered through my uh, family's probate 40 years, you know, before I saw how it was all devastated through the family and how much money and funds were lost. But when I was talking to my broker, and like I said, he is actually, uh, you know, on board of me doing this. But is there uh, something that I have to set up personally as, like, maybe an LLC for, like, a legal reason or so? Because when I go to the uh, individuals, uh, like I said, who are you? You know, uh, do I actually have to do some kind of a sort of a corporation to start this? Are you doing brokerage and investment or just brokerage? No, just, just brokerage. I'm just a salesperson. Yeah, and you, are you the only um, – you're not a team? No, I'm just an individual. Okay. Are you doing – and you, if you're not comfortable answering, you don't have to, but are you doing more than $140,000 a year in, in GCI? No. Okay. Not yet. You're probably – you're, you're, you're not going to – you won't find – benefit from from having an entity for brokerage um, if you if you are if you are well into six digits you can benefit from having an LLC a single member LLC taxed as an S Corp because you drop okay. FICA at a, at a certain limit but you have to be I mean unless you're making you know a buck 40 or above it's really not that beneficial it just creates more complexity um, and you have e and insurance on the brokerage side for liability protection correct I so, think the way that the broker was actually just being uh, cautious of saying is that, of course, uh, I, I'm a salesman of the individual, of the brokerage. How do I portray it as like a business? Like, you know, is it, uh, you know, Joe, uh, you know, a probate specialist? You know, um, you know, and if somebody comes up to me, like I said, if I don't vet somebody properly under the uh, who I recommend, 
uh, you know, for protection for me in case something does go wrong? Well, your protection is your E&O insurance. Um, and okay. you could, I mean, if you don't want to set up and maintain another entity, you could also buy an umbrella policy just in your personal name. So okay. <clears throat> like a, mil a million dollar umbrella to cover you personally and, and uh, corporately is about, I don't know, 300, 400 bucks a year. Okay. Uh, which is more than more than having an LLC, but if you ch if you you choose to have an LLC, then that means your license needs to be in the name of the LLC, and you need to be the managing gotcha. member of the LLC, and it creates complexity that doesn't give you a whole lot of benefit. So, I would say in this case, you're you're very unlikely to be sued for anything that a vendor does. If you are, you have E&O insurance to, to protect you, uh, and an umbrella policy will just give you an additional layer of, of protection there. Now, if okay. you're buying homes, like if you get to the position where you're, you're you know, actually a buyer on these, then you should always mm -hmm. have an entity. So for anyone who's listening, don't ever buy a house in, in your personal name if you have a real estate license, ever. Because all that person has to do, the, the board will almost always side with the consumer, and it's, it's your burden to defend yourself. So it's very easy to defend yourself if all of your investment activity happens in a self-contained entity. For me, that's a single-member LLC taxed as an S-Corp. It has its own EIN number, its own bank account, its own credit cards, its own website, its own logo. It's a completely separate brand, and everything has disclosures of license status. But it's completely separate. So if anything, if anyone would ever, you know, get seller's remorse and come back and say, well, he's a real estate agent. He told me that, but he didn't tell me he was going to sell that house for more money than he paid me for it. Then mm -hmm. it's clearly, it, that's clearly contained inside of the investment company. And if anything would go wrong, then you have the, the LLC, the, the, the veil of the LLC. You have an umbrella policy and, and you have multiple layers of protection in that. But from a brokerage standpoint, you have very little liability, and you already have at least E&O for protection. Right. So if, if you want to do something to feel a little more secure, I would recommend just getting an umbrella policy for yourself personally. And that also benefits you. I mean, if you have, if you have a, and this is for anyone listening, if you have a net worth more than $100,000, you should have an umbrella policy because you never know when you're, you're going to have an accident that exceeds your, the, the damages exceed the amount your car insurance will pay or somebody gets hurt or, God forbid, killed at your house, you can be sued for any reason. So it's for just asset protection purposes, it's pretty cheap insurance for $300 a year. Cool. Chad, thank you very much. And I'm very glad to hop back in after listening to David Pinnell's story because uh, I took mastery the second go around and I learned a little bit more because I think COVID actually just, uh, you know, uh, kind of sideswap me to say, okay, I got to get back into this, you know, to help people, you know. So uh, as of, uh, I said to you is that uh, 40 years uh, since, uh, you know, I settled, you know, my grandmother's, my parents' estate and, uh, I know how different, how uh, bad it could be on the families and uh, the money drain, and that's really my unique selling position, and that's uh, one of the reasons why I'm doing it. And I'm just uh, trying to get back into it now. And uh, I thank you very much, and be listening to the calls. And thank you very much, guys. Thank welcome you. back. And, we appreciate uh, you. Welcome back. We'll, we'll see you next week for your win of the week. You can tell us your success story next week. I'm going to try it. I'll tell you something. I'm not promising, but you know what? It's it's very interesting that you know. Yes, you do get a little um, 
a little butterflies, but after when you do it a couple times, you're like, okay, what else do I do? I'm just waiting for my first leaves because the, uh, the, uh, the uh, county is not opened up yet, so uh, I'm just preparing, and I just have to get back to all of the leaves to get all of the stuff uh, ready to rock and roll again. So while you're waiting, um, you should be talking to probate attorneys. So they're facing massive judicial backlogs, and efficiency is more important than ever, right? So what if you could reach out to each of the attorneys and say, hey, listen, you know, we're, we know the court, courts have been closed, and there's, there's this whole conundrum. Um, but we have a system that picks up, where we, you know, our service picks up where the attorneys leave off. Um, can you think of any clients that you're, you're with that, that you're serving right now that are kind of standing in their own way and just need, need a helping hand? We can help them, you know, get things ready so that, that they can actually move forward more quickly. Like, is there anyone you can think of that might be in a, a bit of an urgent situation, but they, they feel stuck or something along those lines? But use the time to connect with attorneys, build those relationships, try to get some referrals, find way, you know, obviously we talk about it a lot on these calls and in mastery. Um, but think of how your how your service can benefit both the attorney and the families when everybody's just sitting around on their hands. What can you what are the things that you can do to put them in a position to shorten that timeline and make it less stressful? And reach out to the attorney and offer that to all their clients, even if you don't know who they are. Say, do you know anyone that could benefit from you know, someone helping, you know, put a strategy in place, get everything ready so when you do have the next court date, all they have to do is move forward with the plan. And there's probably no one else doing that in your market. Uh, so take this time, you know, to, to work on the attorney, building your, your referral network. I appreciate it, and I thank you very much for the experts, and thank you very much. Hey, Chad, I was, we only have one more in the queue. I was going to add that to the last gentleman that was talking about California. Um, he could do the same thing, have the conversation with the attorneys and just say, boy, you, you, I know you want, you're backed up, and I just want to let you know I've spoken to the Johnsons or whoever their client is, and we've got the house secured. We've got the no trespassing sign up. And I would just check in, um, want, you know, see if there's anything I can do to help you speed up the process. And I was just wondering, were you planning on filing for full authority? I mean, yet work both sides of it because it's a great opportunity to make sure. Don't always assume um, that the attorney is doing everything that he should. And you're not going to call and tell him what to do, but you can certainly make constructive suggestions and let him know you're out there to help him. So great point. And we only have one more in the queue, guys. So maybe, a, well, we've got nine minutes left. We'll see how long it takes. If anybody else wants to jump in, we could probably take one more caller, hit star six and hit pound, or hit star six and then hit one. Uh, in the meantime, next up is phone number ending in 8213. You're up next. Hey, guys. I'm so happy that my client uh, allowed me to reschedule. It's unbelievable the, the golden nuggets that come out of these calls. I took so, so many notes. Thank you guys so much. Um, oh, thank you. Question. Yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. I, I'm, you know, the, even the, the initial um, objection handler to the, uh, or disruptor to the attorney is handling it. That's huge. And then uh, with a lot of the calls, um, I noticed that sometimes the PR's number is actually the attorney's number. So initially, I wasn't calling any of those because I didn't know what my conversation with an attorney would sound like. And actually, with the 
the last segment that uh, Chad just did, um, I feel a lot more comfortable calling the attorneys as well, just to kind of, I don't know, maybe better odds calling when I can't get a hold of the PR. Now, my questions are pretty basic, and so um, one of them is regarding the no trespassing. So um, I've heard you guys mention, you know, making sure that the property is secured and to go and put a no trespassing sign or document. Am I correct uh, when uh, to, to believe that there's an actual document, or are you just talking about an actual sign that I could go pick up wherever, Home Depot or, or anywhere? Is there a document that goes along with that? Sorry if that's an ignorant question. What I recommend, just to add a little bit of strength behind it, if you ever do find yourself in a, and if the seller ever finds themselves in a courtroom defending it, is post okay. a no trespassing sign and then post the state stat trespassing statute right underneath of it. And it's that's just an added it layer. It, it's, it's, you know, it, it's may not make a huge difference, but you, you know, if you ever if you ever find yourself in a courtroom trying to get somebody out of a house, you want to have strong ground, you know, solid ground to stand on. So you could say, you know, we posted it was obviously right there on the front window that they had. There's no way that they couldn't have seen that. There was one on the front, one on the back, and you okay. know, so you post the no trespassing sign, the statute underneath of it, and take a picture and text okay. it or you know email it to yourself so you have a time uh, like a, a time and date stamped record of it now mm -hmm. it's, it's highly unlikely guys anyone will ever have this situation but right now with if you especially if you're in downtown areas with with all the peaceful protests going on it's likely that that you know it's probably more likely than it has been in the past so it's it's you know we're stirring up a little bit of pain but you know just make sure you can explain to them it, it's unlikely but in the event that it would happen this is a couple of dollars of, of insurance that could save you tens of thousands of dollars of, of carrying costs and legal costs um, so anyway, that's those are the two things that I recommend is, is just a standard sign and then the statute under the state statute underneath of it. Uh, the the state statute is that something I could just Google for the state that I'm in, or is that something that I would have to uh, pick no, up you from should, a court? You should be able to pull it up. I, I, almost every state has their their code online now, so you should be able cool. to pull up that pull up the code and print it off and. I mean, if you want to take this to the next level, something you could do is, you know, you could actually <laughs> brand this. So you could create a graphic, <clears throat> whether it's a decal or, or a hang, like a, a, you know, a vinyl hanger that has suction cups or whatever it might be. Um, take it to a printer, and you can get the sign printed with the with that the statute citation and your logo, and then you would have a branded oh. piece. And that you you yeah, can make them awesome. where they're re reusable, so you actually, if anyone else comes to the house, it's you've already peed on the fire hydrant, right? <laughs> you've already been there, yeah. marked your territory. <laughs> yeah, that's smart. Yeah, I love and that. the Thank other you. thing is, if you if you do that early in the process, you know, every time they go visit that property, you're going to have a branding impression. So if you didn't get the listing mm -hmm. agreement, that's going to be a reminder of, hey, that guy helped us. Um, we should we should call Fed and. So it's just if you want to take it to the next level, you could consider actually getting your own custom signs made that would would serve that purpose. And 
that could be part of you know the first thing you talk about with every seller that has real estate, and it gives you a great reason to get over there. I actually love that. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. There's another golden nugget. <laughs> um, <laughs> last question for you guys is: um, I recall in one of the masterminds, I think it was it was either the mastermind or the role play. It was maybe about a month ago. You guys mentioned or suggested for callers to maybe there, apparently there's a role play that takes place not the Wednesday one that's at the beginning of the month but that's between members I think you guys were suggesting that there's a good one uh, with some strong members I mean I, I if I recall correctly I think Rosie has one I would love to jump on something yep. with her as well or so anyone if you on just, the call I'm open to everyone if you go to all the go leads ahead, mastermind go to the Facebook mm -hmm. group all the leads mastermind uh, yeah. desktop on the on the left on the desktop you'll see a search mm -hmm. this group and just type okay. in role play and you'll see okay. literally dozens of small role play groups Rosie has one I think they're doing theirs on zoom and there's a couple okay. of people awesome. that have zoom role play groups and uh, so there's usually you know four to six people in those and some people do it on the phone mm -hmm. some do it on zoom if you don't find a group that's that's still you know meeting weekly Start a new one. Mm -hmm. Just post in the group okay. and say, hey, guys, I'm starting a role play group. Here's a Zoom link. And, you know, give them a calendar invite link so it's recurring and goes directly into their calendar. That way you'll have, you know, some accountability. They can't say, oh, yeah. I forgot about that because it's in their calendar. Fair enough. I like that. Thank you guys so much. Seriously. Thank so, you. So much. Hey, Chad, Chad and Bruce, we had one more person jump in. You got a few more minutes? Yeah, I'm good. Can you go I'm good. after the hour or not? You good? Yeah, I'm good till 2.15. Yep. All right, excellent. Shouldn't take that long. Last up this week, we saved the best for last, no pressure. Last up is phone number ending in 4554. You're up last. Yeah, can you hear me? Yes, sir. All right. Yeah, Neil Morrison here from Sacramento, California. I'm brand new to this whole thing. Uh, me a really quick question. I came in kind of a little late, but uh, you said three things that you can do for the customer, and I wrote down secure property, put down no trespassing signs, offer them vacancy insurance, uh, help them with land care, uh, clean out storage property, miscellaneous things like that. Was that pretty much the three things you'd mentioned, or was there other things? Yeah, I ran off on, you know, seven or eight that, that just to choose from. Okay. But just just gotcha. think so about it. Even if, even if, yeah. yeah, even if they don't have the authority to sign, if you were in their position, like think about if I was in that position, what are the things that I would have to get done that I had, that I could get done? So, you know, for example, maybe it's, it's getting the house cleaned out into self-storage and renting it so you can cover the holding cost because in Sacramento, holding costs are not cheap, right? So maybe you could no, take in a, a, a three-month tenant or something like that. But so any anything that you, that that regardless of what stage of the process they're in, they could benefit from. And that was just a list of ideas. There's there's obviously more than that. And something right. we talked about. If you want to go back and listen, last week's call. You know, I, I think the last couple of calls I've kind of issued a challenge. You know, and, and to pull up a spreadsheet and in column A. Your header is what problems do they have? Column B is what solutions do I have? And literally exhaust your, your imagination. Go down and, and try to list every single, no matter how tiny, 
what problems could they have? And then potentially you categorize those. So early in the process, midstream and, and near the end, or, uh, you know, people problems, real estate problems, uh, you know, people problems, real property problems, personal property problems, however your brain wants to see that. But the, the point is to get in an empathetic mindset to, to the position they're in and list out every single thing you can possibly think of and then list out what your solution is to that problem. And that's going to basically wire your brain to think that way, right? It's going to make you a, a problem-solving engineer. So your three things <clears throat> will probably come out in that exercise. Like you'll be able to say, oh, those three are, I can see every 100% of people will have those three problems. Or maybe it's five problems. Um, but if, if you do that exercise, I think you'll answer your question. Yep, sounds good. All righty, thank you so much. All right, another great call, guys. Um, I want to thank each and every one of you uh, for taking the time to be here today. I want to particularly thank those that actively participated. And I want to challenge each of you to take one idea, one thought, one thing that inspired you on this call. Go out and put it into practice and come back next Thursday and share your results with the group. Make it a great week, guys. Stay productive, stay healthy, and we will talk to you at the same time next Thursday. Take care.